turn to Genesis 32 today. Genesis 32. And we have been talking the last couple of weeks about the character Jacob in the Bible. And he really is and happens to be one of my favorite characters. That may sound strange because we know that Jacob was somebody who, in the very beginning, God had told his mother that there are two nations inside of you. And when literally when they're being born, Esau is the first. And when Esau comes and is born, we know that Jacob was grabbing hold of his heel. So Jacob was named deceiver or liar or trickster. And I talked to now three weeks ago in our very first sermon on this is when Jacob deceives Esau out of his inheritance. And he comes in from hunting and doing his thing and he comes in. And he sees something he wants in a moment, his eye hooked to it in that moment. And in that moment of his eye hooking to it, he gave away his, his inheritance, he gave away his birthright, he gave away his authority, he gave away what God wanted for a momentary pleasure. And of course, this caused a lot of trouble. When Esau realized that he was tricked and he was deceived, he literally said, I am going to kill Jacob. So Jacob runs and begins to journey off to some relative's land. And as he's journeying, he sleeps one night, and he has an encounter with God. How many understand it's important to have an encounter with God? It's the most important element of your life. God is real. Jesus is Lord. And we can ask God that we can experience and encounter Him because it's in those times that I encounter His presence that it's not my situation that's changed. It is I'm changed. Amen? But we still see... Jacob operating out of his old self. Even though he had an encounter with God, even though he saw the heaven open and the angels of God descending and ascending, and he built an altar there and worshiped God in that place, the story that we're going to get to here in just a moment is Jacob has now come back home after 20 years. And what I want to tell you this morning, and I mentioned it Wednesday night if you happen to be here, regarding Philippians uh, chapter 4, is that life can be a roller coaster. Amen? Life can be ups and downs and ins and outs and difficulties and seasons where you feel like you're on top of the world and seasons where you feel like you're under the world. And Jacob's life really parallels that very thing. Jacob's life parallels the fact that he, 20 years, as as we pick up here in verse 22 of Genesis 32 today, we're going to read in just a moment, but it's important to set a little bit of the dynamic of what he's walking into. We talked last week about the fact that Jacob was actually tricked by his uncle Laban into marrying the wrong person. And at times, we can wake up in a lot of realities in our life when we just had this wonderful, again, we're we're promised, we think that we're getting one thing and it turns out to be another, and how God can help us grow closer to him in those seasons. The story we're going to pick up here in just a moment is Jacob, in my estimation, still has not allowed God to work out some things in him. I want to I want to tell you something today that if you think that you're going to be able to hide and run away from God if you have something in your life, there's no possible way. <laughs> this story if it tells us anything else is that when you encounter God and you make him lord of your life and you begin to journey with him, Sometimes we think that all the blessings, because in the midst of that, after he marries uh, Rachel and Leah and they start having children and the, literally the tribes of, of Israel are born out of their, their relationship with Rachel and Leah, we see that he still 
he still operates by a level of tricking. He set up, you know, little sticks that would separate the herds because Laban was trying to trick him. And Jacob's kind of like, well, I'm a bigger trickster than you are. But we see that he has increased in flocks. He has increased in his family. In other words, his life is a level of blessed. And oftentimes I think we look at our lives sometimes and we say, well, God, look at all these blessings that I have. I guess I maybe must be walking in the right direction when God has a date circled on the calendar for us to wrestle with him. Everybody say wrestle. wrestle. The story that we're getting ready to read is Jacob wrestling with God. And I came to just tell you something very simple but very powerful. In your life, God has a date circled that you're heading towards an encounter with him that he will wrestle and get to the bottom of some things in our life. They had a very dysfunctional family. I mentioned that in the very first uh, three weeks ago when we started this small little series that will end today on the life of Jacob. And you, when you read the story, you understand there was a lot of dysfunction. There was a lot of rejection. Everybody say rejection. rejection. The reason I say that is because how would you like to be called deceiver your entire life, right? You are constantly, it, it, it behooves us to understand, be careful what people say about you more than what God says about you. Because sometimes we can begin to listen to lies of the enemy when God's trying to get his truth for, through But I really believe that he, Jacob, operated even in a spirit of rejection in his life where he kind of walked through life thinking, think about it. He gets married, no family present. He begins to be blessed and have children, no family present to celebrate. He begins to grow in his flocks and his herds and all these things going on in his life, no family present to be able to come alongside and help and do all these things. He had run from his problem thinking that his problem would never catch up with him or his character would never catch up with him. Are you following me so far this morning? But God had something he was going to teach him. And I want to tell you something very important this morning. We are all wrestling with something. Amen? There's different areas we can wrestle in. For one, it may be insecurity. For another, anxiety. For another, fear. For another, addiction. For someone else, it may be... You work too much. We all wrestle with different things in our life. And in this story, we're getting ready to read. How many like wrestling? Amen? Come on. I'm talking about WWE, good old. Okay. I I grew up watching this stuff, and my dad didn't like it, but I loved to watch it. Had the little figures, you know, little Hulk Hogan, junkyard dog. I'm in the wrong generation. Can anybody smell what the rock is cooking? Come on. Okay. Okay. I'm getting a little closer now. But growing up as kids, I grew up with three brothers and we were always wrestling. We were always getting each other and wrestling. How many understand that wrestling is a close combat sport? (laughs) Sometimes you can be winning and sometimes you can be getting pushed back. And George, get ready. You and I are going to wrestle up here this morning as an illustration. I'm joking. I'm joking. I would not mess with you, George. He's doing this. He's like, you don't want none of this. You don't want none of this. I always pick on George because he sits right up front. Be careful if you sit up front. I'm going to pick on you a little bit. Let's look at our passage today here in verse 22. This story just has, I think, so much revelation of where some of you are at in your life. I really believe this, that if you'll listen to what the Holy Spirit and the Lord is saying to your heart in relation to Jacob's life, that you can leave here changed this morning. Isn't that why we come to church? I want to tell you something, something that I've come to realize. Everybody that's here, you're here because you want to be here. I think if the season of COVID taught us anything, 
is that the church kind of needed to be pruned a little bit. Amen? I really believe that. There needs to be a heartfelt desire to be with the people of God, to be with your brothers and sisters, and to have a great relationship with the Lord. Verse 22. That night, it's always at night, isn't it? The other encounter he had with God where the heaven was open and he realized he was in the house of God. He said, I was in Bethel. I'm, I'm literally, didn't know it. But I'm literally in the house of God. There's supernatural activity happening right in front of me. And God had to open up his understanding to realize that. But that was at night. And this encounter he's about to have with the angel of the Lord was at night. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons. And he crossed the ford of Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. That's an important part of that story. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Deceiver. Trickster, heel grabber, supplanter. That's what I've been called my entire life. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Father, for these next few minutes and moments, as always, I do not want to deliver something that's of me, but I want to deliver what's on the heart of my father. So, Lord, I ask for your help. Lord, you said you're the helper, so I ask for your help in this moment, the anointing of God that I believe is very precious, that whatever's said of me would go by the wayside, but whatever's said under the anointing of God would go into the hearts of the people today and would cause fruit to grow. Father, we love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you a question today. I want to ask you this question. What does God have to do to get your attention and your allegiance? If you're like me, perhaps maybe sometimes God has to go to extremes to get your attention. Amen? Anybody else? The reason that sometimes I've found that God has to go to somewhat of extremes to get my attention is because sometimes I can get hard-headed. Am I talking to my people this morning? Anybody else? Okay. It's not something I'm proud of, but I have found that at certain times in my life, especially, I don't want you to miss this, things were going really well for Jacob and his family. As as we see in the story, his herds had, had increased, his flocks, his family, there seems to be this place of blessing in his life. And we can start to become, even in our spiritual lives, self-reliant, self-sufficient, and self-confident. And I've discovered that I tend to be less sensitive toward God when I feel like I have everything under control. Can anybody witness with me this morning? And it's when life throws you those unexpected curveballs or those those times and places where things seem to come out of the blue and kind of upend our own reality. But I'm sure what's true about me is true about you this morning. No man really trusts God until he absolutely has to. Amen? Amen. So I today I want to talk to you about this, the beauty of brokenness. Everybody say brokenness. brokenness. 
I want to remind you what brokenness is. Brokenness is the process by where God brings us to the end of ourselves and in total lo- into total love, trust, and submission to Him. The journey that you are on is to try to wrestle the self-sufficiency and the self-dependency and the there are no self made people in the kingdom of God and His Christ this morning. They are the people who come to the end of themselves, to the broken places in life. And when you come to the broken places in life, how many seasoned saints do I have in here that found that when you were most broken, He was most present? That when you were the most... And what did it do? Hopefully, like if you're like me, it's been able to help me overcome the self-sufficiency. It's been help me... Hey, listen, it's helped me overcome my self-confidence. God does not want you to be confident this morning in the arm of the flesh or your wrestling ability. Come on. I'm telling you, I was the best wrestler in my family. We had bunk beds and there was all four of us boys in one room. And I used to get up on the side of that top bunk bed and they'd walk through the door and I'd be like, Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Wah! Boom! And just, boom! Didn't matter if it was, and then my oldest, my two older brothers were bigger than me for a, for a time. <laughs> I ended up being one of the bigger ones in the family, so there was a lot of payback later on. But my dad had come in. When my dad came in, in the afternoon, he just whipped all of us. He just knew we did something that day. But listen, I want to tell you something. You can't out wrestle God. You cannot out if God has a date ahead for you that where He's going to confront and deal with some issues in your life. You can be thinking you're running from one danger and running towards another danger. Don't miss in this story that that Jacob was between dangers. Laban said, I'm going to kill you. Esau, when he left 20 years before, said, I'm going to kill you. And he comes to a place where he's coming towards Esau. Esau is the brother he stole the birthright from. And the last thing he ever heard Esau say is, when I get a hold of you, you're dead. He gets a report... That there are hundreds of people that are coming and they're fully armed and they're with Esau and they're coming along towards him to do what? He thinks they're going to destroy him. Does anybody else in here know what it feels like to wrestle? Listen, wrestling is unpredictable. Wrestling is, hey, there's one moment I'm on top and there's another moment that I'm not. And another moment where I'm doing good and another moment I feel like I'm under it. Jacob, his story is filled in this previous past with rejection. Everybody say rejection. He struggled with this very thing called rejection. And I think that we could all find ourselves in a place where we understand maybe as he's going from one danger to another, God has a calendar date circled where I'm going to come and I'm going to confront some things in his life. Look back down at verse 24 with me. And Jacob was left alone. Everybody say alone. Alone. He was left alone and he wrestled. He was left alone and he wrestled. He was left alone and he wrestled. Some of you think that maybe you came in here today and that feeling of separation and loneliness is something that the enemy has caused in your life. But I'm telling you this morning, when you finally get alone with God and begin to wrestle with some of the things that are deep down in your heart... I want to tell you something. God is committed to wrestling back with you. Amen? Amen? Listen, I want to say this. All isolation is not evil. 
There are seasons where God uses isolation for your transformation. Come on. There are times where God will isolate you and it's not for your harm, but it's actually for your good. It says he was left alone and the Bible goes on to say he wrestled. I want you to listen to me for a few minutes. He wrestled with a man until daybreak. That's verse 24. But when we get to verses 27 through 29, Jacob engages the man he has been wrestling with. And the man tells him, I am getting ready to change your name because you have wrestled with humans and with God and you have overcome. So listen, in verse 24, Jacob thinks he's wrestling with a man. In verse 28, Jacob sees he is wrestling with God. Listen, in verse 24, he thinks it's one thing. By verse 28, he sees it's God. Listen, there are some things that are going on in your life that you're wrestling with. That In in this verse, it looks like this. By the end of it, it looks like God as you look back at it. Didn't anybody ever been there before? There are some things in our life we call pain in verse 48. 24, but you can wrestle with until verse 28, you will be calling it purpose. Come on. There are some things that you look at and you say, God, this is hard. This is difficult. I don't want to wrestle with these things that I even know are in my life and my heart. And there's some things that we walk through and we go into that we call pain in this season. But God says, I was fulfilling my promise to you to change you by my glory and by my power. Listen, just, just pause for a moment and think back over your life. Listen, we can all look back and say in the middle of that storm, in the middle of that doctor's report, in the middle of that loss, in the middle of the divorce, in the middle of what I was walking through and going for, we could all look back and we can say, have a different perspective on it. Amen. He called it a man in verse 24. And then in verse 28, listen, here's why this is important, because God doesn't always show up looking like God. He doesn't. How many have encountered a situation, circumstance, or a fire that you walk through? And man, you're just up there rebuking the devil and get under me, Satan, and get behind me. And then you come to a certain place where you realize it was God that had orchestrated those circumstances. I want you to see this this morning because it was God who had orchestrated the running from Laban and what was ahead of him on the other side of the river Jabbok, where he stayed on this side. There's something significant about that that I haven't quite dug out of the scriptures, but he sent everything else over. Some of you feel like you have been isolated and you have been left and you have nothing left to grab a hold on. But I came to tell you this morning, God is is there. God is with you. I want you to to understand this morning something so incredibly important. God had never left Jacob. He had never deserted him. He had never walked away. He had never left him completely to his own devices. How many are thankful this morning God doesn't leave us to our own devices? I want to tell you something. The same God that is good when the door is open and everything's going well is the same good God that shut the door because maybe the door shouldn't have been open for you. I want to tell you, God is so invested in your well-being and your growth that God will close doors to keep us from a disaster. Amen? And if we believe this, we can show gratefulness and gratitude as much for the closed doors As we do the open ones. Then notice in verse 28. He says this. You have wrestled with God and humans. And overcome. Now point something out. There are no other humans there right? There's nobody else. He's alone. He's isolated. There's nobody else there. 
But I think this perhaps could be a metaphor for something important for us spiritually today. If nobody else is there, and verse 28 records these words, you have wrestled with men and God and prevail. Could it be that the person that Jacob was wrestling with that night was himself? I really believe that that's an element of the story that's very true for a lot of us in this house today. He said, you have wrestled with men and with God. Now think about something, because this is really important to understand. Think about something. He's isolated. He's alone. He has danger behind and he has danger in front of him. He's there by himself. In In verse 28, it says, you have wrestled with men and with God and you have prevailed. Listen. There's a wrestling match on the inside of each person today with the person you used to be and the one God is calling you to be. There's a wrestling match with what and who God is said already and He's bringing you into. But sometimes it takes a good wrestling match, not just with God, but God to reveal and you begin to wrestle that yourself. Listen. The old you is trying to sabotage you, and the you that is a new creation in Christ Jesus that wants to obey God and wants to follow God and wants to serve God, that is the you that you need to wrestle and and, and do away with the one that's trying to sabotage your life. In Jacob's life, he was constantly either self-sabotaging or somebody else, even family members, were trying to sabotage him. The Bible says he wrestled for hours. For hours he's in this wrestling match. For hours. And, and when it first, when this first happens, I don't know if perhaps, and I've read a lot of commentaries and different things and different people's scholars and theologians, you know, take on this particular scripture. But he says this, I will not let you go until you bless me. In other words, I will not let you go until you heal me. I will not let you go until you change me. All through the night... I'm sure there were shifts in momentum. There was, Jacob was doing well at one point and he was getting put under it at another point. There were probably times when Jacob felt like he was winning and there were other times he felt like he was losing. But listen to me real quick. Jacob had made a decision. I will not let you go until I am changed. How many have found in your spiritual life, sometimes you just got to get something in you that say, God, I'm not going to let you go until I'm changed. I had something in my life at one time, and I was saved probably 10, 11 months, and I was still struggling in a couple of areas of my life. And I, here's the deal. God came and convicted me. of When God's word comes and convicts, convicts you of something, I want to give you really good news today. God will give you the power to overcome what he's convicting you of. Amen? And I literally, I said when I came in the doors of that service, and it happened to be a Sunday night, I worshiped, I prayed, listened to the word of God being preached by my awesome pastor, and I was sitting up near, I was in the back, but I came and sat up near the front. And I just began to pray. And I made a decision when I walked in those doors that night. I'm not leaving this church until this is changed in my life. Not doing it. Well, that was probably good news to God's ears. And it was a heartfelt prayer for me in that moment. But it wasn't very good news to the person who locks the doors. And the pastors that were over here. And they, everybody had pretty much left and the, my, my main pastor and one of my mentors named Rick was up here and his wife and they were just talking and they wanted to leave and they kind of looked over, what are you still doing here? And I told them, I said, I, I'm not leaving. I may be here in a week. <laughs> Listen to me, you've got to get some determination that you're going to wrestle through some things until you're changed. 
it really does take that level. I mean, wrestling is hard. Wrestling is difficult. Wrestling is, 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 is right up in somebody else's wheelhouse wrestling back and forth. And until we get that determination, he was literally saying, Jacob was, listen, I am not going to, I wonder how often we never get to the true spiritual change in our hearts because we give up halfway through because we think it's too hard. We can understand if we're going to have Jacob's experience, one thing that wrestling shows is if you can win, if you know the opponent's moves. Amen? So let me give you three quick lessons from this passage to apply to your life. Number one, don't get your confidence in God from other people's vision of you. Get your confidence in God's value of you. I'll say it again. Don't get your confidence in God from other people's vision or opinion of you. Can I let you in on a little secret I try to live by? Other people's opinions of me are none of my business. I'll say it again for those in the back, louder. Other people's opinion of me are none of my business. If you live your life based more on what people think of you than what God has already said about you, you're going to live a miserable life. I tell myself all the time, I go home to a house where my wife loves me, I think, right? Let me just clarify. My kids love me, right? My, my dog sometimes loves me. Amen? That's why I bought a dog, right? Anybody get a peg? You're like, man, I just need unconditional love. Came to tell you something very important this morning. God wrestling with Jacob wasn't to punish him. It was to show him who he really was from the inside out. Because he had literally been told his entire life. And some of you in here have been held down because of everybody else's. Your value isn't based in what other people say. Your value is based in the word of God and what Christ paid for you. In the value of something, the worth of what somebody would pay for it. We had a fall festival last night and uh, we invited a couple of little car groups, you know, to come. And one in particular brought two beautiful cars. And one of them is only one of two made. And the value is, I'm sure I don't know how much it would cost to purchase that car. I'm sure that, can I tell you something this morning? Just like I stood up there and talked to the gentleman about it being one of two and that it's the only one left. The other one had been in an accident and destroyed. Can I tell you, you're, you're one of a kind to Jesus. Amen. You are. And if you're constantly worried about everybody else, young people that may perhaps be in here, let me give you a youth sermon right here for just two minutes. If your value is based on everybody else's opinions, you're going to live a very miserable life. You have to wrestle your way into who God said you are, who, who, who he has called you to be. In this circumstance that we see that where he's wrestling, you have to be more concerned with that. Can I tell you, you're created in the image of God. A God who made sure there was no barrier between you and him. What if I told you this morning there's absolutely nothing wrong with your value, but the problem is with other people's vision? Amen? Amen. There's nothing wrong with your value. It could be a problem with other people's vision. Other people constantly saw Jacob as the supplanter, the deceiver. And listen, oftentimes we will live out what other people are speaking over us. That's why it's so important to be in the Word of God. To be connected to what He is saying. Listen, if I'm not the creator of something, I can't assign value to it. I didn't create the car. You'll see it as you leave today. It's a white car right behind the fellowship hall. It's a 
Corvette that is, I've never seen anything like it. I can't assign value to that because I didn't create it. Are you listening to me? I can't do it. Listen, when we give others the ability to assign, to assign our value, we are giving them the power and authority over lives that God never intended. God knows how he created you. He knows what gifting he has placed within you. He knows what calling that he has put within you. And God wants you to connect with that today. Number two, you will overcome the current season you are in when the wrestling with God becomes a revelation about God. I'll say it again. You will overcome the current season that you're in. If you're in a fire, you're in a wrestling match, you feel like everything is on, of the world is just on top of you and you're barely wrestling for your life, you will come through that season when it becomes a revelation about God. What do I mean by that? Notice something here. In the previous chapters before this, every time Jacob prayed, this is how he prayed. Listen to me. Yahweh was standing there beside him saying, I am Yahweh, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. Genesis 28, 13. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my grandfather Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, you told me, return to your own land and to your relatives, and you promised me I will treat you kindly. Genesis 32, 29. Here's another one. This is in Genesis 31, 42. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac, had not been with me, certainly now you would have sent me off empty-handed. The common thread that I want everybody in here to see this morning is God is the God of Abraham. He's saying, God, you're the God of Abraham. God, I I know that you're the God of Isaac. But it does not say God is the God of Israel until after Jacob wrestles with God. Listen, wrestling will solidify and cement your faith in God and your identity in God. Look what he says after he wrestles in verse 20. And he set up an altar there and called it God The God of Israel. Listen, God is not wrestling with you to reject you. God is wrestling with you to change and to heal you. He's wrestling with you to give you a new name. In the previous verses, he always said, you are the God of Abraham, I can see. You're the God of my father Isaac. But sometimes we step back and say, well, I know you're the God of the person on the other end of the row, but I'm not so sure you're, you, you are going to bless me and you're going to change me. Can I, came to, I came to give you some good news this morning. God wants to change you, not the person on the other end of the row. says he's the God of Jacob. I mean... I've read this story many, many, many times, and my, one of my thoughts is always, God, couldn't you have found somebody a little bit better? <laughs> I say that about myself all the time. God, me? When he called me, I'm like, me? Yeah. There's people still back in my hometown that run into my family and my brothers. They're like, well, what's Jason up to now? He's a pastor, and they're like, their mouth just... <laughs> huh? Don't you think, God, he doesn't choose like the world chooses? He doesn't. He doesn't. And what we do, listen to me. What we do is we judge people based on an outward appearance of a Jacob season in their life. 
And I've come to understand something very important about having grace with other people when they're in the Jacob season and we can identify things that don't add up and we can look and say, yeah, the character's a little off or, hey, I see that they're doing this over here. Can I tell you why I just take a deep breath and continue pastoring people and loving them and praying for them and believing that God, because I know God has a date circle where he's going to deal with Jacob and bring out something greater, which is Israel. God is not wrestling with you to harm you. He's wrestling with you to finally get to understand what he has placed within you. And we say all the time, well, Granny was a great believer and a and a prayer warrior, and this one was a great one, and this one in my family was a wonderful one. Can I tell you, God wants to put that same revelation and anointing upon you this morning, that when you're wrestling with Him, you can come out on the other side with a name change. Amen. And He finally builds an altar and He says, hey, you're the God of Israel too. Man, we judge people on their Jacob season, don't we? We do. We do. That's why we're. That's why love covers a multitude of sin. Amen. That's why we can. We can, as the Bible commands us, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest you also be tempted. (laughs) You know what that means? There are spiritual people sitting right here in this church. Which if he says those who are spiritual means there are some that are unspiritual sitting right here in this church. And my heart and desire for you is you don't get connected in with the church, but you get connected in with the Spirit of God. Because when you begin to get connected in with the Spirit of God, you say, well, what's the end result of that going to be? I'm telling you, it's going to be a lot of wrestling. It's going to be a lot of confronting some of those things. How How many don't like to confront some things you know are in there? Can I tell you this morning, God knows it's in there. And God has, a, God has a place and a time at night, isolated, cut off from help. There, and I, I imagine in Jacob, as he, he, he literally is there by himself, and somebody just all of a sudden just jumps on him. Yeah. And he probably thought, man, it's an assassin. You know, it's, Esau sent somebody to kill me. It's an assassin. And we see this story play out. But I want to encourage you today. Listen, your value isn't what other people say. God is bringing you, if you'll allow him, to a place where you just make up your mind, God, I see this, and I am not going to let go until you bless me. Now think about something. Think about this. Listen to me. When you read that, he is just, the scripture has just plainly told us, and we know from the story previously, of how much God had already blessed him. God had already blessed him with Sheep and goats and herds and camels and and all the things that from an outward appearance, if you saw him traveling towards his home that he ran away from 20 years previously, when you saw him traveling, if you were up on a little mountain or hillside and looked down and see Jacob traveling with his children and all the things that God had blessed him with, you would look from a natural perspective and say, wow, he is so blessed. Can I tell you something? The greatest blessing that you will ever come to is not in stuff. How many know, when you say I have enough, there's something in us that says more. Something in us that says, well, I'm blessed over here, but I just have to. We get caught up in this as American Christians especially, don't we? we? We relate, listen, we relate our blessings to whether we're driving a brand new car. I've been in a season the last 10 months where God's just yanking the rug out from under me in a lot of areas. I'm, 
I'm not looking at it from a perspective of, God, I'm just so under attack. Listen, I'm looking at it and saying, God, what are you trying to change in me? Am I too reliant on all those things? Anything we rely upon other than God himself will let us down. We sang about it this morning. You will never let me down, and it's true. But sometimes there's a wrestling match that God wants to bring us to. I love how when God calls Moses, listen to me, when God calls Moses and brings him to the burning bush, and Moses says, who am I going to say sent me? And how will they know that I'm sent from you? But then God goes on to say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Israel, right? No. He said, I'm the God, listen. He's as much God in your Jacob season as he is in your Israel. He said, when you go back, I want him to know I'm the God of, I'm the God of Jacob too. I'm the God of the wrestling season. I'm the God of the fire season. I'm the God of walking through the midst of the difficulty season. I'm the God who will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I'm going to walk with you hand in hand. And yes, I will confront these things in your life. He was telling Moses, this is what I want you to say to my people. You would think God would say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, right? But he doesn't do that. Listen, because that's Jacob's good side. (laughs) Israel's Jacob. Don't you love how the Bible is real? Yes. It is. It, 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 it shows us the characters in the Bible that genuinely love God but still had some things in their life. I mean, wouldn't the Bible want to portray the God of the good side? But can I tell you, he's not just the God of the good side. He's the God of also the difficult side. Amen. He's the God of that side where we really don't want to open that door and, of our heart and say, God, you're allowed in here now. Don't we do that? Don't we just shut the door and say, God, you can have 90% of everything in my life. I want to tell you something this morning. There really is no such thing as completely free will because the Bible is clear. You're either going to serve God and listen to him or you're going to serve Satan and listen to him. You only have one to two fathers. Father, Your father is Satan or it's God. Is that too much truth for you this morning? It's the truth. Number three, rejection can be God's God's direction. Rejection is not always rejection. Rejection is can be God's direction. I went through this was many years ago, and and Lee and I knew we came off the mission field. Give you a Reader's Digest version. Lee and I came off the mission field, and we were praying about the next step for us. And I've mentioned last week or week before, went on staff at, at the church and began to serve God in the capacity he had. And my pastor was training me up with the understanding that at some point we'd get a call, uh, just like we did for this church. And uh, it was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Has anybody been in that season? (laughs) Lord, how long? But listen, God was working on my character the whole time. One of the worst things we do in church is is take people that aren't ready and put them in a place of leadership. We do it. We all do it. it. And it does end up happening. But... I went to an interview um, at a church just three hours away, two and a half, at Leesville, Louisiana. We had been supported by the pastor there. It was a good friend of Leah's dad's. He had, he had uh, stepped aside and was passing the church along. And they brought me in, and they brought another young man that was in the area, a youth pastor, and they had brought him in. And it was kind of, I came one Sunday, and he'd come the next. And I'd come this next Sunday, and he'd come the next. But we, we sat in an interview, and we interviewed, and we, you know, I really felt like this was something that perhaps was God. 
I'll never forget where I was and where I was walking. I was walking down the hallway of the church, and my phone rang, and it was the head elder of the church that we had interviewed for. And so I knew it was a private call, so I walked up the middle aisle, and I came into the sanctuary. And I began to walk the middle aisle of that sanctuary up towards the front and began to talk to him. And looking back, I I feel so sorry for him because he had to break the news of, we've decided not to go with either one of y'all. But church, what seems like rejection can really lead to God's direction because that wasn't where God had for me. We have to praise God for the open doors. So I had to, here, I had to, I had to keep wrestling, not with people. Wouldn't, people are not your problem. You understand that? When he starts off wrestling, oh, there's, there's an assassin on me. There's somebody. And as he wrestles, and, and don't miss this either. Don't miss this either. Because as he's wrestling, he thinks he's wrestling with a man by almost daybreak. And when you read this story, if you're like me, you just ask yourself a simple question. God is more powerful than Jacob. And, and you would think that that wrestling match would have lasted about two seconds. I'm God. I'm going to slam you down and I'm going to change you. Which tells us something important. There's something in that wrestling because when he finally realizes and gets his name changed, he he touches the hip of his socket and all of a sudden the socket's out of place. Listen, listen, I've said this before and I'll say it again because we have a whole new group of people sitting in front of me this morning. I'm telling you that I'm telling you that when you really get with God, God God will even come into your life and even put you in a place where you... Listen, every time that they saw who was Jacob and is now Israel walking, he walked with a limp. Which was a reminder to him and a reminder to, oh, reminder to everybody around him that that man had been with God. That man had wrestled through. That man had not only wrestled and and succeeded with men, but he had wrestled and succeeded with God. God told him, you've wrestled with men and you've wrestled with God. And here, I'm going to change you. Boom. Don't trust anybody who doesn't have a limp. That's why I'm so honest with you all the time about my own struggles. Because I don't want you to look at me and say, man, he doesn't ever struggle. Of course I do. I struggle with doubt. I struggle with rejection. I struggle with, with, with God, are you for me or are you against me? God, it shouldn't be this difficult. Jacob's saying, God, I've got, I've got Laban chasing me from behind, and I've got Esau with 400 armed warriors all across the river, and he's probably going to destroy my family and destroy my blessing. And some of you need to get it out of your head that God is trying to harm you. He's trying to help you by getting out the junk that doesn't belong. Yes. He is incredibly committed to that, and we need to be, here's my point, we need to be as equally committed as Jacob was to say, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Yes. I want to tell you this morning, it's a fixed fight. You win if you don't quit. Amen? Amen. <laughs> the schemer, the, the liar. And again, I won't let you get, stand with me this morning. I won't let you go until you bless me. I won't let you go until you bless me. And we read that and think he wanted more sheep. We read that and think that he wanted more camels or more children or more of something else. We think that that's what the blessing, listen to me, the greatest blessing 
that you could experience, Alexis, if you'd come, the greatest blessing that you can ever experience is God changing your heart. God changing your name. I I love the book of Revelation that says, you know, when we get on the other side, he's for those who endure, for those, and I'm paraphrasing here, so just work with me when we stand before God. There's a part in there that says he's going to, he's going to give you a stone with the name that he's always called you. Come on. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Everybody else calls you addict. And when you get a revelation, you wrestle with God, God says you're free. Amen. Other people have called you sickly. The devil loves to reinforce what the world calls you. God loves to reinforce what he's already called you. Listen, the blessing wasn't God, I want more stuff. The blessing was God, I am not going to let go and I'm not going to quit. Listen to me. If you understood that if you're in the middle of the fire, you're in the middle of what feels like a wrestling match is going to take your life. The, the best thing I could tell to each and every person is don't quit. There is a change coming on the other side of that. A new name. Israel. In 20 years, listen to me, God encountered Jacob 20 years previously, but when you track his life, he had never really changed. Some of you in this room have come to a church service maybe 15, 10, maybe 10 months, maybe 10 weeks ago. And you experience God and you you recognize that God is in this house at Christian Center Church. But God doesn't just want you to understand He's in this house. He wants to be in your house. He doesn't want you to understand that He is offering Himself in the atmosphere of faith that you experience walking in here. He wants you to change on the inside of your heart... Because even with that great experience that Jacob had 20 years previously, he was still self-sufficient, he was still self-centered, and he was still scheming. The manipulative trickster Jacob. And listen, this is how it is for all of us. The key that unlocks the door to God's richest, most wonderful blessings and treasures. And I'm bringing it back full circle to what I told you in the beginning. Is brokenness. How many, how many have come to that place of brokenness and you looked up and found that it was God that was ready to pick you up? Yes. Nothing else. You may have tried like Jacob did, everything else. You may have tried again filling your life with work and filling your life with a new boat. That would be pretty cool. I ain't lying. I, Lord, if you want to fill my life with a boat, I won't put it before you, I promise. Here's what Jesus taught us because... Nothing else matters except for his word and what he said. And he said this, if you want to save your life, you've got to first lose it. If you want to be exalted, you must first be humbled. If you want to be great, you must become a slave. If you want to live, you must die. Brokenness truly is God's way to strength and stature. And listen, you may get up from the encounter perhaps you're getting ready to have right now in this moment as she plays and you may get up from that and you say well god i i have a constant reminder of that encounter i had with you and i thought it would make me stand up stronger and walk a little bit better but i'm telling you here it is when god comes to humble you like he did jacob 
I guarantee you, he will be successful. Humble yourself under the hand of the Lord that he may lift you up in due season and due time. Humble yourself under God and he will be the one to lift you up. Amen? Amen. Bow your head and close your eyes this morning. Father, as we are here in this moment with you, God, I feel your Holy Spirit just working in hearts and working in lives right now. Some of you have been isolated. Some of you have felt like God, I I don't know what's going on. It seems like these people have left me and that one has deserted me and that one is, it doesn't talk to me anymore. And listen, God is custom making an encounter with him in some of your lives. And even in your brokenness, how many would just be honest this morning and say, man, I'm just going through a broken season in my life. Would you raise your hand? Just acknowledge that before the Lord. Amen. Amen. I got encouragement for you that raised your hand, including myself. I got news for you this morning. He's the God of Jacob too. He's the, he's, the, he's the God of Leah seasons. He's the God of the Jacob seasons where He's lovingly confronting things in our life. How many would be honest enough to say, I am going through broken seasons, but I also want to acknowledge that God is dealing with me to offer to him a change this morning that I've never offered him before. Would you lift your hands up? God's pinpointed. Amen. 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 I want to invite you. I want to invite you to come up around this altar. You're going through a broken season. Come on. You're going through a season where God is dealing with you right now. I want you to come up here and acknowledge the fact that you're going through it. But Here it is. Here's the strength. There's going to be a name change for some of you this morning. You hear me? There's going to be something God does in you supernaturally here in these next few minutes and moments. And here's what you're doing. You're stepping out from where you are. You're making a journey like Jacob did. You're making that journey right here up to this altar. And it's much like that journey that Jacob took where he wrestled with God. Where he wrestled with him. Alexis, lead us this morning. Lead us in a worship song as we allow people to be with the Holy Spirit and allow people to lay before the Lord what it is that they're wrestling with this morning. We're going to transition here in just a, just another couple moments. We have communion this morning. So if our gentlemen in the back would uh, get prepared and come to your stations with the communion elements so that we can uh, pass that out. This just came to my mind just a moment ago. He looked at him and he said, he said this, what's your name? What's your name? See, listen to me. Until we acknowledge what God is wanting us to acknowledge, we can never be changed into the new creation that he wants us to be changed into. Amen. He loves you so very much, but sometimes we just, here it is. When you get real with God, He'll get real with you. Some of us just put the mask on and go through life thinking that we don't need God and, well, I'll just be self-sufficient. God, if you belong to Him, He will work that self-sufficiency and pride out of you. And I would rather lay it at an altar like this this morning than Him have to lay me out. Come on. Because He'll do it. 
God is very committed to your sanctification. <laughs> I trust me, He is. I'm telling you. If you'd be seated in the house, if as uh, Alexis continues to play so beautifully there on the keyboard, appreciate her. We're going to begin. If you guys would come and begin to pass out the communion elements, and we're going to have communion together. This is a very special and holy moment, and as we're commanded in the Bible. We are to examine ourselves. So as you take that cup, I want to ask you to respect everybody around you in the, in the reverence of the Lord in this house. If there's any kids or anything, just kind of snuggle them up there. We love having kids in the service, but let's, let's treat this next few moments for, the, for, the, for what it is. And that is the body and the blood of Christ. We are honoring and in remembrance, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So that's what we're going to do in these next few moments as we... Take communion together. First Corinthians one seventeen says, We are all partakers of that one bread. This morning that one bread is Christ. He is the only bread that offers life. Listen to me, the, the decision to receive that life is an individual one. And today he invites us to partake of that presence. These are symbolic of the the bread and the cup that Jesus had on the night that he was betrayed. And he told him how forward he looked to not only that night, even though he was getting ready to go through the most difficult thing anybody on earth has ever gone through, and that's to be crucified. If one of you guys could bring one of those to me and Alexis up here, please, I'd appreciate it. The pastor's got to have communion, y'all. Come on. I may need help opening it, though. I'm just going to be straight honest with y'all. Thank you, Brother Winston. Appreciate you. bow your head and close your eyes right there where you are. I love communion because of what it symbolizes. Symbolizes the covenant that we have with God. The Holy Spirit spoke to me early this morning. And he told me, he said, there's going to be healing in my communion today. As simple as that. There's some of you that are dealing with physical issues. Some of you have been dealing with them for a a long time. Think of Sister Gilda. Miss Gilda, this is for you today as a body as we bind our hearts together. For Lupita, for Brother Robert Browning, for others who have even, my wife, needs all that to heal up properly. Amen? There's healing in his wings and there's healing not because of how wonderful you are, because it's covenant. If you know anything about the Old Testament, it was this. They kept breaking the covenant. So God finally said, okay, I'll make a covenant with myself. And how do we enter into that covenant? By faith. Father, I pray you release faith in this house right now in this moment. This is not just juice and this is not just bread. This is literally your body and the blood that was shed for the remission of sins. And God, I thank you today that we are washed in that blood, cleansed, 
healed, delivered, because you made a covenant with yourself that we have now entered into by faith. God, I pray you would release healing as we partake of this, God. I pray that you would release courage and strength as we partake of this, God. Father, I pray for unity in this house today, that we would all be of one heart and one accord, that, God, we honor you. Lift up that body. Lift up that element just right there in front of you. He took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, today we thank you for your son, Jesus, that his body was broken. His body was whipped and scourged so that healing and forgiveness could come to the people of God. Father, we honor you for the body today. I honor you for this body, this Christian center church, the body of believers who have come into this house today, Father. I pray that it literally would be healing to the members of this house, God. Let your healing power flow through communion. You may partake of the bread this morning. That bread symbolizes the presence of God. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Would you take that and just hold it up in front of you reverently? Reverently. Because this is it. This is, this is the symbol of the blood of the new covenant. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you that you willingly went to that cross so that we may be redeemed, Father. That we may be forgiven, God. Thank you this morning for the precious blood of Jesus, Father, by which we are saved. We honor it. We honor it right now in this moment, Jesus. You may partake of the communion element today. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Listen, that's going to... There's healing. Let it be released right now. There's healing. Why don't you stand back up with me if you can. It's that moment that is your pastor and you're a member of the church. If you're visiting with us today, thank you for joining us. We welcome you and we, we want you to come back and be with us again if you're able to. And uh, if you just moved into this area, like I've met a lot of people, my heart as a pastor is you find your tribe. Amen? A lot of different expressions of the body of Christ, which this pastor believes that if you believe in the the redemption through the blood and you believe in the virgin birth and you believe that the word of God is the God's word and it's inerrant, then we're brothers and sisters in Christ. But we want to welcome you today and just certainly invite you to come back. And if you come two or three times, we just kind of consider you family anyway. Amen. Amen. Would you lift your hands with me as the pastor blesses you? Father, I bless Christian Center Church today. May they be blessed going in and may they be blessed going out. May they be blessed at work and may they be blessed in their homes. Father, I pray that your face literally would turn toward them, shine upon them and give them peace and give them rest. That you would rise your countenance upon them, God. That, Father, your angels would go before them and behind them and surround them. May a hedge of protection be theirs always. Father, as we go from here, we are never ever out of your presence, God. So may your presence go with us too. Because Lord, we say like Moses, if you don't go with us, God, we don't want to go. So let the presence of God dwell mightily upon the people of God as they go. 
And Father, may they be blessed today. I bless them in Jesus' mighty name. Could you put your hands together one time and just thank God for our service today. Father, we bless you. We thank you. We thank you. Go in the name of the Lord. Be blessed. Have a wonderful Sunday. We will have prayer meeting tomorrow night from 6.30 on. And if you'd like to come join us tomorrow night, we will be having prayer here in the sanctuary. Be blessed, church. Love you. If nobody's told they love you, your pastor loves you.